Hi guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Road CC podcast in association with Cervelo. This week we talk to Alex Richardson, who, as many of you know, was violently attacked in Richmond Park to steal his bike. So myself, Simon, Tony and Jack discuss the violence that we're currently seeing around Richmond Park. And then in a slightly more lighthearted section, we talk about some of the pet peeves that we have with other cyclists and some of them are perhaps a little surprising. So, without further ado, here's the podcast. First up, myself, Jack, Tony and Simon discuss the recent bout of violent bike thefts in Richmond Park. I live in West London, so Richmond Park's not too far from me. And, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go right there much myself, go to Richmond quite often. But you do see people going to and from there on very expensive bikes and what are obviously very expensive bikes. And, you know, we, we know that over the past, past year or two, you know, particularly the bike shorts we've got now, that those bikes are very attractive to thieves. And it seems that over the last couple of weeks in particular, people riding expensive bikes are getting targeted. And, you know, it's absolutely shocking. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, the main story about Richmond Park was whether speed limits applied to cyclists. And, you know, that caused a bit of a brouhaha, you know, the metropolitan police of them that they don't apply to cyclists. And we thought, you know, that was maybe the big story about Christian Park that we we're going to see this year. And then all of a sudden, it's just been overtaken by these horrific things we've seen in the last week or so, with, you know, people being knocked off their bikes, attacked with these chatties to give over bikes that cost thousands of pounds. You know, how many people are going to go to Richmond Park this week having read those reports? Yeah, it's, it's one of the... So for those of you who don't know there has been um i'm sure that most of you guys do because you're road cc readers and it's been one of those things that we've kind of talked about quite extensively this week but so there was uh alexander richardson who is uh, a pro rider for is it alpha alpha phoenix that he rides for yeah it's matthew uh, van der poel's team yeah probably yes, pronounced that wrong simon yeah <laughs> van poel yeah <laughs> Vanderpool, Vanderpool, Vanderpool. I'm remembering Ned Bolting saying it. Vanderpool, Vanderpool. Yeah. So he, so he rides for those guys, and he was riding through Richmond Park, just getting to the end of his training ride, and a couple of people on mopeds essentially came up beside him, knocked him off his bike, and then dragged him for what did he say about ten meters or something, Uh, and then um, threatened him with a machete. Trying to get away from them, um, you know, he absolutely put the hammer down to get away from them. And he's a pro cyclist, so he can ride faster than you can or I can, or you know, most people know can. Um, and it was um, it was four guys on two mopeds, so driver and passenger, and and they knocked him off his bike and and dragged him along, and then threatened the machete till he handed the bike over. As soon as the machete came out. You know, quite sensibly, he thought, right, that's it. No, I'm not trying to hold on to my bike anymore. Um, but yes, it's 
yesterday there was another similar attack just outside the park. Um, we also know the you know the story we had up yesterday evening. We know that there's also people on mopeds who are targeting garages in the area and stealing bikes from 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 boats, and then they just you know whack them on the back of the moped, presumably have a van or something nearby to stash the bikes in. But just over this last week or so, it's suddenly blown up into a huge, huge issue in that part of London. Yeah, it's, I mean, I used to live in Putney, so I was only kind of a five minute cycle away from Richmond Park. So I used to go around, I used to kind of cycle around there quite a lot. And it does, it does seem at odds with the kind of place that it is. It seems like a real juxtaposition having this level of violence in that kind of place because let's be honest west london especially around kind of richmond and that kind of area is where lots of you know it's it's nice i think that's probably the best way of putting it i don't there's not many places around there still waiting still awaiting gentrification um so it, it, it is really shocking um and with the we are i don't know if it's just i mean i i don't know if it's to do with simon like you said the increase in value of well the the increased resale value of bikes or whether it's people suddenly realizing you know being opportunistic about being able to steal bikes from you know from the backs of mopeds or things like that but there is definitely something worrying happening um so jack i understand that you have spoken to the met police about this um so maybe you could give us a few details about what they said Yes, I did speak to the police and they didn't say much, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, it's a standard statement. Um, we, we asked them about the incident involving Alexander, who we, we've spoken to. You'll hear him, you'll hear him give his uh, side of the... Well, you'll hear him tell us the story in his own words. But uh, the Met just told us um, we take every incident of bicycle theft seriously. And we recognise the distress this crime causes victims. We're aware that for many, this can be a main form of transport uh, or your job, as in Alexander's case, and can therefore greatly disrupt their everyday lives. Um, anyone who owns a bicycle is urged to get it secure, security marked and registered at Bike Register. This helps officers return stolen property to its rightful owner, and it also helps bring prosecutions. Um, that doesn't really address uh, how you prevent a crime like this happening. I mean, I mean, basically, I think this is why this story has blown up for me anyway, in my opinion. Um, as you'll hear Alexander saying when I spoke to him, you know, muggings happen every single day. You get, you've had it in, in like London, in Rome, in New York, you get women have their handbags taken off them by men on mopeds, people robbed in the street. I think there's something particularly troubling about you're out for a nice bike ride, not a care in the world. Now all of a sudden you're faced with a machete and you've been knocked off. Um, it's just like particularly nasty, you know, and in Richmond Park as well. So, um, yeah, as Alexander says, it's like he, he himself says he's not, he wasn't particularly shocked by it really. And, um, and it's also how brutal it was you're dealing with. I mean, he says, um, after he tried to get to Roehampton, get a, a cafe that's by Roehampton Gate, I think that's what he says. But um, he said the, the kind of mindset these lads are in, the, the place they are in their lives, 
Alexander reckons even if he'd have gone into that cafe and said, there's, you know, there's thieves about watch. He said he's, he's got no doubt they'd have gone in, cut everyone down in their way and still took his bike. Like, you know, there's no, that's what's scary. You can't reason with these people. Um, and I get what can the police say? I suppose other than mark your bike and we'll try and find it for you after they can't advise you on how to deal with these people because there is there's no dealing with them um the place they are in in their lives interesting to see if um there's a there's more of these attacks if this becomes if there's going to be a spate of them because it it sounds or you know if it's a a new phenomenon or it's just an isolated incident of a a gang or some thieves taking advantage, you know, deciding to target some, you know, a place where there are some high value goods um, easily accessible, which they think they can easily take. We've seen in the past, for instance, along Canal Towpath, um, a few years that happened near, near Paddington, and after that, the kind of top of the marshes, we've seen that there's been gangs who, who've targeted lone cyclists and made them hand over their bikes. Um, I think, you know, obviously we don't know the full facts at the moment about every single case that's happened in Richmond Park and what's going on. This seems a lot more organised and a lot more targeted. Well, it's organised to the to the point that um, there was a few of them. I think they're hitting high-end bikes. Then, yeah. So, I mean, what I was going to... Uh, how, how much was his bike actually worth? Uh, where he'll tell you after about uh, sixteen thousand pounds is, uh, you know, but that that's why that it, it's a spare tarmac SL seven with all custom parts. Oh, it'd be uh, non, non-sponsor friendly. Well, yeah, have, yeah, the, the thieves will have to take it back to specialised. Yeah, like um, <laughs> they don't want to be selling all the dirt. But, so um, what? Um, well, other than the other thing, I was the, the thing that interests me is incidents of. Um, people targeting high value bikes in the past, but breaking into people's garages to, to I mean, there was a spate a few years ago of like bike journalists having, having their garages broken into, which again was like clearly people targeting them. There was no violence involved or whatever, but, but the thinking then always was that um, it was the people selling, weren't selling the bikes. They weren't after the bikes, they were after the parts. Um, and it, it's a bit of an odd one with his bike because his actual bike is worth so much money, but then clearly the parts on it are also worth, I mean, they're the things that you'd easily be able to shift. I would have thought, um, if you'll pardon the pun to radio enthusiasts, um, more than the bike, the bikes, you know, is going to be a lot more traceable. So this has happened in Richmond park. It's like, it, it, it sounds like a gang from some, somewhere close by i mean london is there's areas of high deprivation you know cheek by jowl with areas of wealth um so it's not altogether surprising it, it seems to me like it's a gang who who just found a new revenue stream essentially i think they're on a spate of yeah and yeah. I, I think it's likely the story about the um the lad who had his tt bike robbed along with it five others from from his family's garage um it might even be the same gang this you know that's what's weird about um the, the thing that's odd about this is that even though it seems like as simon says they there's some element of organization they know they're going for what they think that you know what they 
perceived to be high value bikes. I think there was one the other day where the the app people were pointing out why are they why are they robbing going to those lengths. Um, I mean, it was yeah, I think it's interesting because um, it's too. not worth. But I think what you've you've got an organised gang putting these lads on the street who don't give a shit, do they? You know, they're they're willing to attack someone with a machete in order to get. And there's no two ways about it. You're not going to be able to fight them off. Well, machete, you know, machete violence. There's a, a, a that is a it's a thing, particularly in London at the moment. People rob robbing with violence using machetes. It's not. It's not uh, you know street robbery. It's it's a weapon of choice for um, so certain young criminals. So it would seem. I suppose it carries a massive. It's like my knife is much bigger than your knife type of a of a thing. But um, it's interesting. Stealing the bikes will be really surprised at the amount of attention that their actions have have got because they probably steal loads of other things or steal other things with equal levels of violence and um what would you say directness um without without actually much comment being passed i mean i doubt they expected to get a splash in the sunday times but you know one thing is that at the end of the day if you do find yourself in that situation where you have violent people trying to take you by just remember your bike can be replaced. You can't. So maybe it's better to let that go of it. Next up, we spoke to Alex Richardson, who unfortunately had his bike stolen in Richmond Park. So Alex is a professional rider for Alperson Phoenix, which is Wout van der Poel's team. Um, so he's been riding to an extremely high level. Uh, and Jack spoke to him just a couple of days after the incident. So, yeah, can you just tell us, like, what happened, basically? So I was just finishing um, a training session, uh, which was three hours, 45 minutes. Um, and let's say in the last 15 minutes, I was doing a small loop uh, in Richmond Park. And from I was travelling from Roehampton to Isheen Roundabout, and I was going to hook a left. But as I approached the roundabout on the right-hand side, there were two bikes and two gentlemen. Well, I say gentlemen. Um, <laughs> Not very gentlemanly what they did next. <laughs> yeah, uh, with two guys on each bike uh, that looked like they were out to cause some trouble. So I thought to myself, right, I'd better try and find a solution here. And there's three roads from where I was. I can go straight up to Richmond Gate, right to Isheen, where they were, or left, which just goes up and sort of takes you to nowhere. So I turn the bike around uh, to go downhill uh, to try and get to Roehampton Park Cafe or Roehampton Gate or something where the schools were finishing and there might be a bit more um, presence around there. Anyway, uh, I started, I got up to about 50k an hour um, and they just rode into the back of me, basically. I tried to block the road. Um, yeah. So you, you, you sort of tried to fight back to begin with and then maybe realised it, it wasn't going to be worth it and they were pretty committed. Exactly. I, I blocked the road thinking that will avoid them coming up alongside of me and then sort of half-wheeling me and boxing me in. Uh, but uh, that didn't work because they just rode the weight of the motorbike into the back of me, which sent me flying. 
um, when I was on the floor, I grabbed onto the back wheel. And then they, one of the passengers on the motorbike, I think it was bike two at this point, because the first bike had sort of lost his balance a little bit. He just dragged me along the floor uh, while I was holding onto the bike. And then after that, they slowed it down again and then took out this machete, at which point I thought, you know, obviously I've got more to lose here. So yeah, uh, let's leave it at that. But you, you test the water to see how serious these guys are. But I think the bottom line is that they wanted the bike and they were committed to getting the bike. They didn't know how much the bike was. Um, so it's, it's one of those things. You just have to move on um, and, and work with people to try and rectify the situation, which we're doing. And I'll, I'll invest a little bit more time in it after Nationals uh, on Sunday. So you, you uh, the bike that you were riding was that a team issue? Was it was it a Canyon Aaron or was it your own bike? And what what do you think? No, what, that was actually, what was it worth? Yeah, that was actually um, that was actually a personal bike that I built up over four months as sort of a project. So right. I can tell you, every single piece on that bike is almost unique. Um, it's very special, even the way the the dust caps have been dressed up, all that kind of thing, right? Um, it would need a, a professional with a lot of experience to take that bike apart, the way it's been wired, all the rest of it. So, yeah, I'm sure the bike will turn up. I, unless it goes abroad, it, it will most likely turn up. So, no, it wasn't a Canon. It was actually a Specialized, um, a Specialized SL7 uh, with Princeton wheels, uh, SRM power meter, uh, Envy handlebars, uh, Specialized saddle, yeah, Michelin tires, uh, yeah, it was it was a project of mine. The, the the sort of uniqueness of the bike that suggests that these guys aren't massively sophisticated; they're just going for what they think are the most expensive bikes they can steal. Seeing how it goes, exactly. They they just went for a shiny bike and someone yeah. who, who looked like uh, looked the part. Um, and I was out in clean kit, obviously. It was a nice day, and the bike looks very shiny. I don't think I was targeted at all, but and they and they went again yesterday. Uh, they've been a couple of times since, so it's, it's not just me, obviously, but maybe I can help raise awareness, and it got a lot of traction, and the, the police are dealing with it and taking it very seriously. So uh, yeah. they, they, get a, they get some... The police have... I, I see some comments online, uh, negative comments towards the police but i can tell you in this instance they're taking it extremely seriously and they're not just going to take a few notes yeah so um the police so far what have they told you so are we about the offenders so we're they have their modus operandi they obviously don't they don't give a shit whether you are you know a young athletic guy or, or what they they were they want the shiny bike right they um that they're, they're very brazen uh, we're aware there's other incidents that have happened in and around Richmond Park. So is this a current trend? Uh, guys on mopeds robbing people were using a machete as a threat. Is it is it likely to be one gang who are responsible for a crime wave or is it a trend and yes. there's lots of them? So, the, look, I don't know. I can't speak for the whole of London. I can just speak for that this kind of area and what I've been told by the police. But the police say it's probably one of 
you know, a few, a few of 15 people that they're uh, probably known to police. Um, and it's just a, a case of tracking them down. They probably know where they live and all the rest of it, but it's a, it's a case of, uh, and they have no issue to go and knock doors down and knock them off their bikes, but they need to know, uh, they need to find evidence basically to warrant that. Yeah. So these guys, uh, but, um, but, uh, am I shocked? No, not really, because I've heard about this stuff for a couple of years now. I've seen it before my eyes uh, in the Kingston area when I've been driving my car, just guys whip alongside the car straight past uh, double the speed limit. Um, I know exactly they do. They do it for watches in cars in London. Um, it's something that's been going on. So, I, I, of course, I'm surprised it's slightly surprising when it happens to you, but, and it's a small shock, but again, that evening, was I in shock, you know, real shock or, or completely surprised? No, I wasn't. I, I got on my, with my evening because these things happen and, and yeah. the next day was pretty much normal for me. Yeah. I think it's maybe the, the adrenaline of like, Oh, this is actually happening to me. But the wider thing is like, yeah, this happens and it's going to happen to someone and it happened to me. Um, but it's, I think maybe the, the reason this story probably shocked people is just that you're going out riding your bike. It's mm. supposed to be a fun activity. You know, it's a, you're out training, yeah. you're enjoying yourself. And it's just so brutal to have to then be faced with a machete mm. and guys stealing your bike. Like you said, you built up yourself and it's worth a lot of money. Yeah, and it's, you know, for me, like the bike is, it's a massive passion of mine. It's like polishing your, your watch that you saved years to buy. It's a similar principle for me. Um, it's something I take a lot of pride in and anyone that knows me knows that I'm like that. Um, but again, it's one of those things and you've got to move on. Yeah. Uh, so... I guess you don't really have any advice for people who encounter a similar situation other than it's probably not worth fighting back really. And you just need to, the authorities do want to, to catch these mm. people and put a stop to it. And it's best to just report it as soon it's as possible. I think it's a difficult one because you don't just want to give it away. No. Um, you know, guy's going to catch you and say, Oh, give me a bite. Oh yeah, here you are. That's all right. Sorry, sorry for um, not giving it to you faster. I don't think that's the right approach, uh, for sure. But then, yeah, you're you're taught that you should just give it up because it's not worth it. But and again, yeah, maybe that's the case, but maybe it's not. I personally like to test the water a little bit and and push back a bit and see how serious they are. And I think I found that threshold uh, the other day. But the only advice that I can think of to give people. It's just be conscious. I was very conscious that this could happen. Um, I'm surprised it happened in Richmond Park, though, I guess, because mm -hmm. I've never seen them in Richmond Park before that day, and I spend a lot of time there. Had I seen them before in Richmond Park, that would always be in the back of my mind, like, mm, who am I going there with, etc. But if you are going to ride in Richmond Park, just ride in more than one person for the moment until someone's caught or... So is that when you go back to London? Will you do that now? You would you would now probably avoid riding there yourself with a really expensive bike. So the only reason I'm in Mallorca now is because yesterday morning I was thinking, right, I want to go and train, 
I don't want to ride through 40 minutes of traffic each way and get yeah. out to Surrey. Uh, the the weather is pretty miserable. Okay, that's a luxury that I can get on with it anyway in London. I, I've got on with it for many years. Um, but then I'm thinking, right, the perfect place to do these efforts is Richmond Park. But more than anything, I just can't be bothered with a hassle or something like that happening again because then yeah. I don't have a bike for nationals. My team bike will be uh, nicked for nationals and getting one in the next few days from Belgium or from Canyon or the right thing, it's for it to be set up properly and stuff it's 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 cutting it very fine so i thought i'm just gonna and, and it happened yesterday evening i, I at five o'clock there's a good chance i i would have would have been leaving the park around that time or an hour before yeah so in a way this kind of well it's the small upside that it's it's made you go to majorca where it's 20 degrees and nice weather in here in preparation yeah, for the nationals i've i had to I did the worlds on the mountain bike. Uh, after that, I was really tired and I had to pick myself up there. I had to pick myself up a few times in the season. And it, you've just got to look after yourself and give yourself the best environment that you possibly can to perform. And I'm just going to do one last push here for the next week uh, with a clear mind. And, and then I can come back and hopefully perform quite well at nationals. Was there, was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, if any, if anyone has uh, seen anything or CCTV, then by all means contact the police. It's on uh, various social media uh, networks now. Uh, and, and we can go from there. But yeah, there were witnesses at the scene, uh, probably 10 in the end, but they sort of congregated after the incident. And there was probably 45 seconds when the incident happened when just not that many people were in 50 to 100 meter radius. They might have been 100 meters away, but, and that's quite rare in Richmond Park at, at 4.30, uh, 3.50 in the afternoon when it happened, sorry. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to buy time when it was all unfolding, but in 45 seconds, it happened so quickly. But then, yeah. yeah, of course, people see, see them riding off with the bike and all the rest of it, it's done them. Once I lose contact with the bike, no one can interfere. Good job, you're okay then, and, and everything. But yeah, yeah. Uh, here to tell the tale. But uh, yeah, good luck no, I'm, with the I'm looking forward to that. It's all on Eurosport and GCN, so uh, which is a nice, um, a nice thing that British Cycling have given it some a good bit of coverage this year. Uh, so you know that's 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 great, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be watching it. It's a great event. Lincoln's a fantastic course, and yeah. it's pretty close to London, so uh, three hours drive. So people that want to go up and get a feel for cycling that's um probably quite a nice one to go to today's episode of the road cc podcast is brought to you in association with Cervelo, who have just launched their new r5 the r5 has one job get to the top fast but for all the glory and fanfare that come with the summit finish they're rarely the only climb of the day and while a race isn't usually won on a descent, they can certainly be lost. A climbing bike that can't carve a hairpin is a bit like a cup of decaf coffee. This is the fourth iteration of the R5, and while weight and stiffness have varied over the years, the handling, poise, and unmatched prowess on a descent have been consistent since day one. We are returning to uh, our pet peeves. 
and this week we are going to be talking about things that other cyclists do that annoys us. Now I'm going to risk the wrath of the comments section by starting off with red light jumping. Now, from my perspective, the reason that I don't like red light jumping is not necessarily because of the jumping the red lights in themselves, but it is the fact that it then gives ammunition to all of the motor, all the kind of the motor lobby, the shouty people from Twitter, because it, they can then point to it and say, look, all cyclists are red light jumpers. What's everyone else's opinion? Well, I think I agree. Well, red light jumping is irritating. I mean, it's sort of, there's a rational reason. I suppose some people you can, there's a rational justification for it. I guess if you live in places where the lights are phased in a certain way or it's quiet or whatever, but there's no doubt about it. If there's a lot of people about and like as a cyclist, yeah, I find it, I've always found it irritating, but I can see that the harms that are going to be caused by it are minimal and most likely going to be suffered by the person doing the, the red light jumping. So I guess the, the reason, I mean, I find it, I do, it does irritate me, but it's an emotional maybe response, but I do agree with you that it does, it does give people a stick to beat um, other cyclists, to beat cyclists as a group with, I guess it does, you know, it's like an easy, it's a late, uh, you know, it's a bit of a, lazy cliche that people can deploy i don't know what you think jack i just think well like yeah i do to in an imperfect world like as a group no cyclists would jump red lights so then we don't get uh, i say we i say cyclists as people anyone riding a bike so that doesn't get accused that they jump up jump red lights all the time but at the same time like you know if there's a, a horrendous car crash outside my house or on the motorway and someone crashes into a tree that doesn't that's no judgment on my driving you know I suppose so, yeah, um, yeah yeah I mean it's like the same I think you, you going along with that you know drivers jump red lights um and that's a much more dangerous uh act and people well, there's research being uh, done into this isn't there like when cyclists do it it's because they're at eye level and you see their guilty little face when they do it <laughs> And that, I think that's why it's such an annoyance. Whereas if someone does it in blacked out windows in a car, then you don't actually see their guilty little face while they're creeping through a red light. Yeah. And it's maybe yeah. not as always as blatant. Uh, that oh, and sometimes they're not just creeping. I mean, they're driving, you know, they're gambling on amber, aren't they, or whatever. But I mean, the our potential for, for harm is, is much greater. And yet we don't dis dismiss all drivers as red light jumpers. And I say we, because obviously... Not everyone does do that. I mean, it's very, it's very much a portion of the media and social media that that does that. I mean, I guess, I guess you could. Well, here's two things though. I'd say is people, other cyclists moaning about cyclists jumping red lights in a funny sort of way. Maybe does that also give ammunition because it amplifies the? Maybe we shouldn't be talking about it. And maybe no, we, we, at least one member of the team refused to, to join in this conversation. That, well, exactly. Like, this reason. is also adding fuel to that fire. So, uh, yeah. George, yeah I got, can we, can we not do this please? Yeah. <laughs> I got, I, yeah, I got, uh, I got told by uh, a, a certain John Stevenson to um, go forth and multiply when I asked him to be a part of this conversation. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's also why 
people accuse cyclists of being like angry and um i had this conversation with a woman once said well cyclists are always shouting at people and you know and and i said you know and she said drivers don't do that and it wasn't me who created her i think it was her husband said well actually they do it's just just, don't see them doing it you just can't hear them (laughs) you can't hear them because they're inside their metal box her husband who wasn't a cyclist but um but that's the thing you know we're when you're on your bike you're literally out there so and you're identifiable as a human whereas a car is a sort of dehumanizing you know it's a box isn't it you're sort of interacting or looking at a box treating it as a box as a thing rather than as a box with a person in it maybe at some level i mean simon you're uh, you're london based what are your thoughts on it yeah i mean i i tend to stop at traffic lights um tend to not- well, not always, because you know, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples, and and one might be where you have a traffic light that would be triggered triggered by a motor vehicle approaching it, but isn't triggered by someone yeah, on a. Okay. You're sitting there for a couple of minutes, and you're thinking, "Hang on, what's going on?" And then you yeah. realise why the light isn't changing for you. So, of course, it's legitimate to go through then. Um, another one would be, you know if you're on an empty road, coming up pedestrian crossing and the light's gone red and there's absolutely no one there. You know, just carry on, sail on through. And then the, the third one is certain places, it's just for self-preservation. If you find yourself at a busy junction, there's lorries there, whatever, just get the head out of the way, you know, maybe go through when the, the pedestrian phase is on. And I think that's, that's a big reason why a lot of people do actually go through red lights is at that kind of junction it's to get themselves out of danger. There is an, another thing that Tony has brought up with me before uh, that he finds particularly annoying, which is the rules. Well, yeah, I don't like the, I mean, I suppose, well, it's, a, it's it leads on, doesn't it? The rule from sticking, stopping at red lights to the rules. But yeah, I've got to say, uh, I know they're a joke. Um, uh, but I've always just, I just find them, it, this is not, it, I just find them irritating. Uh, they're irritating. I mean, I don't have anything against the the Voluminati. Is it the Voluminati or the Voluminati? I don't know. The Voluminati, probably. But anyway, sure. nothing against them. They, the guy or whoever it was behind somebody in Canada or America wrote them all those years ago. And it's now got a website. There's a website as well, obviously. Um, they intended them. I presume as a joke. Uh, well, they did pretend them as a joke, but it's the thing is, it's like they're one of those tongue in, you know, sort of straight face jokes that some people, some people actually take them seriously, and some people say they're a joke, but it's there's a kernel of it's like they're a joke, but they're a joke with a nugget of, you know, truth in them for some people, and I just it's that other it's that whole thing. Cycling, I suppose, is just the same as anything. Any other human activity, it's that it's a bit of sort of like us and them a snobbery, really. There's a certain, you know, I understand that the rules are a joke. So so I've been doing, you know, that sort of thing. I was here first. This is my thing. Um, you know, it's a bit like people's attitudes to, it's like when Rafa came out, people's attitudes to Rafa. There's a lot of old cyclists who went, uh, don't, who didn't like Rafa. Um, you know, this is like, but the rules thing, the rules, yeah, I just, when anyone quotes the rules, uh, it just puts my... Shall I remind people of what they are for the un- uninitiated? So it's basically on, like, it, 
Yeah. Well, in, in my, I mean, in my opinion, it is quite stuffy and it, and it is sort of a joke with it. There's people who now take this thing seriously when it was originally a joke. Well, it's still it. a so joke, got, but yeah, but it yeah, is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got rule eight, for example, saddles, bar, bars, tyres should be matched. Um, you, you know, riding in bad weather, that's... Oh, the correct number of bikes is N plus one, which means you just... Uh, well, we all know N plus one is N almost not a rule, though, is it? Yeah. Shorts should always be black, no white shorts. Uh, respect the jersey. You don't, you're not yeah, allowed to wear now, a world stop, championship. Stop, Jack. You're jersey. reading out all the rules that I, I have not having any problem with agreeing with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you need to read out the ones that are like... Uh, I'll tell you what I was thinking, though. I mean, Introduce I yourself, Rule 19. That's interesting, because Simon was... Uh, said just before we uh, started this conversation, was had an opinion on that. Oh, Yes. On, on um, what nodding and waving, introducing yourself, yeah, yep. Which of course they all do in Holland. That's <laughs> um, yeah. I, I I just I mean it's funny though actually. I, I was thinking the other day that actually I hadn't heard that much about the rules for a while, and it sort of died down a bit. Um, or you know, people talking about it, or maybe I just don't go on social media enough these days. Yeah, I guess um, mentioned again, I think. I noticed that Jack didn't actually mention, because, you know, Jack, as we know, is you know, a bit into his triathlons, didn't mention the rule that says that a, uh, a bike ride should never be preceded by a swim and followed by a run. <laughs> yeah, well... Um... See, well, they're a joke, though. They're a joke, Simon. The rules are a joke, so it's... Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I agree. Agree. It's not for me at the moment. It definitely isn't uh, followed by a run now because I've been diagnosed with arthritis. This, um, uh, that can't hurt anyone to say it seriously. <laughs> Poor old me. Yeah, is there, so is there a is there a swim and run like version of triathlon? Obviously, it wouldn't be. Oh yeah, yeah. Triathlon. It's called a, a quathlon, isn't it? Yeah. Well, isn't it? Are you? Well, if you say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. I've done them. I've done them before. And there's there's so aqua bike as well. More of them. Yeah, well, well, aqua bike because I can't. It's, it's running. I can't really do at the moment, or like I don't know. Um, uh, I'm hoping some steroid injections will allow me to do it again. But yeah, there, there's also aqua bike, which is swimming and running, um, swimming and biking. Sorry, yeah, swimming and running, aquathlon. Yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. Fun. Yeah, not allowed according to this document. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, waving and what's it? I mean, I think that's a sort of a generation. I mean, I. I don't know. I, I think if you were like somewhere really busy, like London or Amsterdam, waving would like be a bit uh, nodding at everyone who passed you on a bike would be a bit time consuming and like probably result in some sort of repetitive strain injury. Yeah, I mean, but, you'd um, look like you were really into ZZ Top. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, um, I, 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 you know, if somebody nods at me or out in the, when I'm out in the country, I tend to do most of my riding, you know, these days on country lanes and quite often I don't meet anyone, car or uh, bike. But if I see another cyclist, I, I will nod at him. I'm not going to be offended if, if he doesn't nod back. I never wave at anyone. Um, I give a sort of like, you know, nod of acknowledgement. Um, and, and that's about it. I mean, it was something I can remember years ago, people getting, well, when, mountain biking started i think people getting particularly aerated about the new breed of cyclists that didn't wave acknowledgement when they went past or you know older roadies i can remember talking about that quite a lot but um 
I'd sort of see see the lack of waving as a sign that there's more cyclists. A bit like you know when you went on when you went on holidays in the seventies. Well, older people went on holidays like me went on holidays in the seventies in your car to Europe, and you if you saw another car with a British number plate, you'd like flash your headlights and wave. Well, obviously, well nobody goes on holiday to drive to Europe. We're hardly anyone at the moment, but. A few years ago, pre-COVID, when you did that, nobody would have done that because you'd have been like flashing your way down the A6, whatever it is, auto route, um, every two minutes. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just maybe it's just one of those things. I, it doesn't offend me if people don't um, acknowledge my another cyclist doesn't acknowledge me. Yeah, I mean, I've had it a few. I mean, it's I mean, yeah, as, as you said, I, I do most of my cycling. At, well, at least going to and from uh kind of my bigger weekend rides i have to ride through london anyway and then on my commutes i obviously see hundreds of thousands of cyclists every day but i did have something the other day where i was cycling through greenwich park uh, and i just bought a new uh jersey from a well-known london-based brand um and a guy was cycling towards me the other day uh well the other, cycling towards me in the same jersey in a different color uh, and he shouted across the road oh mate we just need one more and we'll be traffic lights so uh, that's the kind of thing that we you know that, that's the kind of thing that i quite like even though it does make us sound absolutely insane the camaraderie of the road oh it's great thing. yeah I yeah, well, well, yeah. I, I arrived a couple of weeks ago where Funny enough, I mean, there weren't too many cyclists around for reasons which have become apparent, but um, every single one, we all acknowledged each other. And the reason for that was I was heading down to Richmond to go and watch the rugby. It was on a Saturday and it was absolutely tipping it down. And it was a day just to leave the bike at home, but I was out on the bike and there were a few other hardy souls around because we'd been up to the park or whatever. And every single one of us, as we went past each other, absolutely soaked to the skin and the heavens are still pouring down we all looked at each other gave a little nod as if to say you know why the hell are we doing this well because you can't afford a car presumably <laughs> <That'd be it. laughs> uh, thank you jeremy on that bombshell <laughs> i tell you what though here's the thing this is something that does irritate me about my fellow cyclists and again all of the things that, that um they're all minor you know i really genuinely i really like cyclists but the, one of the things that does annoy me about when i see it for other people doing it um is on shared so we've got shared use i live very close to a very busy shared use path two tunnels in bath which links into the um bath bristol bike path and it actually it's part of the ncm it's it's busy um and you get it's guys it is uniformly pretty much blokes blasting down there mainly commuter cyclists i've come across them but they drive they treat the the, the shared use path like like drivers in the fast lane of the m6 or the m4 like except the drivers obviously flashing that slower moving less important people to get out of the way these people are shouting like out of the way out, you know that to they basically treat it's when cyclists treat other vulnerable road users or path users in a way that they re don't like being treated themselves when they're the vulnerable road user i mean i guess it's a human thing you know 
but it I find it irritating. It's like the guy in his BMW, it's the cycling equivalent of the guy in his BMW who's on his way to give that important PowerPoint presentation to the regional sales meeting. What do you think the answer would you just say that because I used to use that path to commute and in the morning it wasn't that busy. I could ride fairly fast. But yeah, but you don't go I, on the two, I, I suppose maybe it's specific to the two tunnels. The two tunnels is like going through, say, the Bath Bristol Bike Path is actually that Bath end of it particularly is is quiet because it's really yeah like, you can yeah yeah the Bristol end it is completely inappropriate. Like a but I think a, a bike is different to like a, a motor vehicle also because um, speed's relative, isn't it? So to to someone because balance is um, a part of it as well. So for some people, some people's five miles an hour is another person's 15 isn't it you know so yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i've had someone go into the back of me on that go uh, you know and they've got no control over their vehicle which happens to be a bicycle at all but i and i've never i've never had a in that that's the only incident i've ever had on that path and it was someone going into the back of me because they didn't sense that there was someone ahead of they didn't their reactions weren't quick enough and their yeah, bike wasn't they were going before it was a bike path or a site where shared use path, sorry, I'm doing it myself now. Before it was reconverted, I used to walk my dog down there. I wouldn't dream of walking my dog there now because it's not, because I couldn't let it off the lead. But I'm always amazed that people let their dogs off, off the lead down there. That I regard as like selfish behaviour because not only are they a danger to cyclists, but they're a danger to runners too. And the dog as well. And the dog, yeah. The dog. I was chased by, I, I was pursued there. by a Yorkshire Terrier for about, half a mile and <laughs> i didn't realize until he nipped me in the leg and it i saw his owner like shouting like you know like ever the dog and i just got i don't know i like i went i turned back the other way so the dog could then angrily follow me back to the owner and i was like no he's not he's not listening to you those dogs can't be you know? yeah <laughs> like, no i i don't a, a, a path, friend like, to... you know? yeah no i don't think <laughs> i'd say cyclists don't annoy me people annoy me yeah. The rules like irritate me. I wouldn't even go as far as to say they annoy me or people's interpretation or application of the rules. Um, but essentially, I don't have anything. Uh, I like cycling just as well, actually. <laughs> I like cycling. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter really whether you're on a bike, in a car, on foot, or walking your dog. You know, some people are just thicks, really, aren't they? <laughs> So that was episode nine of the Road CC podcast in association with Cervelo. I'd like to thank Alex for taking the time to speak to us. I know that he's been inundated with interview requests and he's also in Mallorca, which made it slightly more complicated. And I'd also like to thank Jack, Tony and Simon for taking the time to chat as well. As always, if you have any feedback, you can find us on social media. Just search for Road CC, and you can also send us an email to podcast at road.cc. Now, if you have any pet peeves that you want us to discuss or anything else at all, then please just send us an email. So until next time, ride safe.